0: Life, whether you like it or not, happens to everyone. We don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Hi everybody, I'm BJ Foster, and this is Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Let's do this thing. Hey, everybody. It's great to have you with me on this Tuesday. Ah, my goodness. I don't even know where to begin with this one. This was a huge one. (laughs) I fought to get Susie on the line because I knew it would be something that, honestly, I think would be great for all of us to listen to and learn from. Uh, not just her story, but uh, what she's doing for a living right now. So Susie, thank you for sharing and uh, thank you guys for reaching out. So let's just dive right into grief is not a sin. I mean, that just the title alone is convicting, you know, for those of us who have been around for a while, you know what I mean by that. It's so easy to, um, I don't know, I I think in the church we're always looking to label things as sin. We're always trying to find the sin in a matter. And it's always there, you know, as long as we are alive, we are sinful people and we will always be in sin. But I just love the fact when she had mentioned, you know, grief is natural. Um, Everybody goes through it and grief is not a sin. And I just thought, wow what an eye opener it's something that as churches in general we could benefit from looking at and thinking about I think we have indeed pushed away a lot of people because we haven't understood or accepted maybe that's more appropriate that people go through things you know and we don't always have the answer I loved it I think she said that um Sometimes we we use the wrong tools. And I think because we are God-based, God-centered, it feels like that's the wrong thing to say because God is the answer for all things. But as I was sharing with my son this week about something, I said, you know, if you look at a cut or you look at any kind of wound, They have to go in and clean the junk out first before they put the medication on it. Otherwise, the medication can't sink in and make a difference. And I think spiritually, that's a lesson for us to learn, that God really is our bomb in Gilead. He is the answer. And to say that someone needs to be cleaned out first does not negate the fact that God is the answer but we have to be able to get to it first and that's really just kind of a simplified overview of what I took away from Susie's lesson last week is that we have to be willing to get to the to the nitty-gritty the nasty of people's situation or allow them to it's not even so much we have to get to it we're not doctors we don't we we don't have the ability to make these incisions that are going to be so life-changing for people, but God does. And He has a way of taking us to those deep places, those painful places, forcing us to allow the cuts to happen. Then we can allow God to do what He does best. But it was just so, I don't know why it was such an eye-opener, because it's something I already know, it's what I already think, but it was just good to hear someone else say it from their own personal experience that i tried to just push through i tried to just keep going i tried to just apply scripture and it wasn't working for me and that doesn't mean again that the scriptures are not as powerful as the bible says they are but we have to allow it to get to the place that hurts us the most in order for the medicine to take effect. You know, she's talked about how when you're in the middle of the storm, we think that this is all there is. There is no way out. And when someone is grieving, they're in the middle of the storm. When someone's in the middle of something, that's not the time to try to teach them a lesson. That's the time to rescue them from where they are. Then teach the lesson. You know, if you think about it, if someone's drowning, They're in the water and they're flopping around because they can't go down. That's not the time to jump in the water and go, well, what are you doing out here if you couldn't swim? Or what are you doing this deep if you didn't have on some, some floaters? What are you? That's not the time for it. <laughs> we know that. But yet, spiritually, let's get real. That's what we do. We have people who are drowning, floundering, flailing. And we're trying to teach them a lesson at a time in which we need to rescue them. Then teach them the lesson. They need to know that they're safe. They need to know that they're okay. They need to know that you care. And I think that is part of what grief brings about. With grief, you are just drowning in something that you can't make sense of. I loved it. She said, you know what, I, I, I couldn't reconcile with God. This pain was so overwhelming, the grief was so overwhelming, I couldn't reconcile with God. She said, and then finally I had to come to the conclusion that grief just doesn't make sense. Sometimes guys, we go through stuff, it just doesn't make sense, you know? And I loved it when she mentioned that we, we have a tendency, just as a nation of people, to try to heal things with our heads, I think we instinctively try to figure it out. Let me figure out what's happening. Let me figure out what needs to uh, n- n- what needs to take place next. She said, "But you can't heal." Well, oh, gosh, what was that singing that she did? She said, "You know, you can't use the head to heal the heart." <laughs> How powerful is that? How powerful was that? That was like, ooh. That was an aha moment for me. I'm a planner. I will rationalize and think through and map out (laughs) things until there is no other way. And I do believe my whole life lesson has been God trying to get BJ to attach her heart to situations. I can work very independently of my heart. I remember my husband and I in the early parts of our marriages, I just... I know you love me intellectually, I don't feel that. Now I look at it and go, well, if you know I love you, why I gotta be saying that all the time? (laughs) That that ain't who I am, I'm, I'm not that girl. You know what, what God taught me and my husband taught me was that I had to learn to express my love. It wasn't enough that I loved I needed now to learn to express my love so that other people could receive it. Because it would frustrate me. It would hurt me. I mean, I would be like, I don't understand. Why do people keep saying, I don't know how you feel about me? I go, what the heck? Stop it with this feeling stuff. (laughs) The guy said, no, 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 BJ. This is not them. This is you. I need you to see something. I need you to learn something. You must learn to express the love that you feel inside. This isn't something you can think your way through. It was the equivalent of me using my head to heal the heart. I feel like I've got it now. This has been a long time coming, but I do feel like I have it now. Do I have it down well? Probably not. Does it come naturally? Absolutely not. But I did learn the lesson and therefore I can hear it when someone says, I don't feel anything from you. That was a difficult, even a difficult question for me to answer. My husband <laughs> would ask me earlier on in our marriage, so babe, how do you feel? And I would begin to tell him what I thought. I didn't see a problem with that. But he made it really clear one day when he says, honey, I didn't ask you what you thought. I asked you, how do you feel? And I realized at that point that there is a distinct difference between the two and I wasn't clear on it. That's why I couldn't answer it. I didn't know how I felt. So I instinctively went to my head. It was the wrong tool to pick up the right tools for the right things in the right situations. Anyway, that was a BJ aside about her life. <laughs> but I loved it. You know, she said, "But when you're in pain like that and you can't reconcile the pain, the good, loving, caring God that you know in your head doesn't feel good, loving and caring." And she said, that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It was like I was looking at God through a veil of pain. God was distorted. That was beautiful. I can't even begin to tell you guys how many of us are wandering through our relationship with God with a veil over our eyes. And we are seeing, we're seeing a distorted God because of the pain or the anger or the frustration, whatever it is that is blocking your view. We have to deal with what is blocking our view. Because until we do, we're never getting the real God. We're getting a God that is that is shadowy. We're, you, know, you know, Satan's greatest ploy is to make us not see God clearly. And he will use whatever he has to use to blind us to that. So we do need to stop and look at ourselves individually and go, Okay, God, how are you being distorted for me? It may not be like BJ's. Maybe you're, you really are a touchy-feely person and your heart is, just, is huge. That was just a BJ thing, may not be your thing, but how is your God being distorted, blurred so that you don't see him clearly? Because that is Satan at work. And we have to be willing to go, God, whatever it takes for me to clear it out so that I can see you. So many of you commented on the, I I mentioned the fact that God returns us to the place where we lost sight of his hand. I love those God moments. When I say that, it's not something BJ planned out. It's not something BJ wrote this thing down and I'm gonna say this when I'm speaking to this person. Sometimes things come out of my mouth. Guys, I promise you, I have no idea where they come from. (laughs) That was one of them. But I do believe it's true. That God returns us to where we lost sight of His hand. He really does. And if you think about it, we it's like a child walking down the street holding mom or dad's hand, and then something cuts in between you, and you don't, you're not holding hands anymore. And if something stays in between you long enough and it gets big enough, you lose sight of the hand or the person whose hand you're holding. That's all it is. We start this journey walking hand in hand with God, gladly walking hand in hand with God. And as we age, as life happens, things cut in on us and we lose sight of his hand. You know, for a while you can be separated but you can still see the person. You go, oh, okay, I see you, you're, still, you're over there, you, you're good, I can see you. And then all of a sudden the big wall is between you and then a mountain is between you and now you can't even see him anymore. That's why the scripture says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you? We have to be willing to remove the barriers that's standing between us and God. You know, the job that I have working with my kiddos, that is our mission theme, is that we are here to remove the barriers so that these kids can stay in school and graduate. That is literally part of our mission statement. What does that mean? Whatever is in the way, we're there to help tear it down. For some, it's hunger. They don't have food and therefore we constantly find ways to help these families feed these kids. For some, it's shelter, clothing, shoes, the ability to see a doctor. It's anything that gets in the way of these kids being able to come to school every day and therefore ultimately graduate. Spiritually, really, it's the same thing. What barriers are in your way that's keeping you from holding the hand of God and ultimately graduating into the heavenly being, heavenly realms? Satan wants us all to miss that graduation date. He wants us to give in to all the various things that are causing us not to be able to run the race. But what if, one by one, we started removing barriers, not just for ourselves, but for each other, so that we can reconnect with our God? Isn't that, honestly, the goal of every Christian? The goal of every Christian. You know, I said to Susie as we were speaking, I said, you know, as we go through our stuff, we get hung up on what do we go through? You know, I cannot imagine having a baby that weighed one pound, what is it, eight ounces? I can't imagine having a baby that's that small. I remember seeing it. I remember freaking out to some degree, trying to be faithful for them. <laughs> but in my heart going, Ooh God, this one, this is a hard one. I can't imagine. But God doesn't place barriers in front of us that we cannot overcome. He wants us to make it. You know that, right? God wants us to make it back home to Him. He is not rooting against us. He's not up in heaven going, ooh, this barrier's gonna take BJ down. I can't wait to see this one. My goodness, what kind of God would that be? Remember, we've got a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. We gotta not look at the whole mountain though. Take a little bite, little bits, little bite-sized pieces. When we look at everything all at once, it's way too massive. But if we take one little thing at a time and knock it down, that's what we do with these kids that I work with. It's too overwhelming for us even trying to help them if we try to tackle every situation in their life. It's not possible. We try to deal with one little small thing at a time and change their mindset around it. Guys, we need to deal with the barriers in our lives, the pain of the barriers in our lives, and change the mindset around it. As I mentioned to Susie, God is not wasteful. There's nothing that we have gone through or are going through that God is just doing it just to be doing it. (laughs) I know how busy my schedule is. My life is crazy busy from the minute I get up in the morning until I put my head on the pillow. I cannot imagine how busy God's life is. The things on his calendar, if he had one written out, would just boggle my mind. So he doesn't have time to just waste our time and waste his time. Whatever you're dealing with, you're going through it for a reason. Slow it down, reconcile with God. God, I don't know why, I don't know how long, but I know we're going to get through this together. And on the other side of it, there's a lesson learned. Taking it in bite-sized pieces, knowing that God is out for our good as we go. I love the little the, the little saying that she said, who, who was it? C.S. Lewis, um, I never knew that grief felt so much like fear. <laughs> so I never knew grief felt so much like fear. It's true because it cripples you, right? Grief cripples you and therefore it feels exactly like fear. So if there's something in your life that has you kind of fearful right now, pause and look at it. Maybe you're grieving something. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. I don't even pretend to be. But I do know what barriers look like. I know what barriers feel like. And mostly I know what barriers will do to a relationship. This is all about us coming into an incredible relationship with our God. So whatever it takes in order to make that happen, that's where we want to go. That's where we want to go. The last thing, guys, and there's just, oh my, it may not be the last. Just got to bear with me as I go. But one of the things that so many of you commented on, I just got to talk about, was I mentioned the pace of grace. And that's just something I personally have been studying out. And as she was speaking, it just made sense again. It just became clear. Guys, God moves at a pace. God, again, God wants us to make it. He wants us to make it. You know, I was sitting in a meeting last week with some graduates, some alumni, and then some who were seniors still trying to finish up. And one of the young ladies said, you know, I don't know why, but it was just so hard to get to the finish line. She mentioned that She had a counselor who just said, you're you're so deficient in your credits, you're not gonna make it anyway, so you might as well just give up. And she was so discouraged that she was ready to walk away and just give up. And then she started to work with communities and schools, which is what we do. And we worked with her and helped her get caught up just in enough time to be able to walk across the stage of graduation. I know that the counselor meant no evil intent. It's the job of a counselor to help students make it. It's not their job to discourage them and make them drop out of school. But sometimes when you're dealing with a school that has let's say 1,200 students in it, you know, and 400 or 500 of those students are on your caseload. You don't feel you have the time to slow down. And that's what I was talking about with Susie when I said, you know, ministry, I think, can fall into that same trap, is that you feel like you have so much to do. You don't have time to slow down for those that are so behind that you find it almost easier to let them slip through the cracks and move on. And you can justify it, even in your own mind. I got all these people I've got to work with. I'm sure the counselor felt, hey, I got all these students, students who have been working hard, students who haven't been complaining or missing school. So why should I spend all this time with someone who doesn't appear to be helping themselves? Right? that becomes the mindset that obstacle for a lot of people is enough to make them quit i think spiritually it's the same way to look at someone who is so behind someone who have not shown themselves really worthy if we want to use that term i don't i just can't think of another word but you know when you have someone who you go are you even trying It's frustrating, but we have to, in good conscience, make sure that we are making every effort to slow down enough that it's possible for them to catch up to God. Not about them catching up to us. It's catching up to God. And that's where the pace of grace comes in. And that's why that one was so huge for me, and still is as I'm studying it, just to see that God loves us so much, guys, that He slows down. Now, we still have to do the work. We've gotta try to, you've gotta do something. It's not like I stop and God comes back to grab me. He said, no, no, no. You need to be in alignment with me. This is a partnership. That's the thing I think I've learned the most since I've been here in Reno. He will do His part always. But he calls us to do our part. He calls us to, you've got to flex your muscles. You've got to stretch. You've got to try to reach me. Anyone who tries to reach me will be reached, will be caught. But if you're not going to even make the effort, that's a whole different ballgame. But are we, first of all, just personally, are we understanding just how incredible it is that our God slows down for us. And that's all of us. No matter how strong you are spiritually, we all have some area in our life in which God, if you hadn't slowed down, I wouldn't have gotten there, every one of us. So there needs to be such an incredible gratitude for God's pace. And then we need to turn around and extend that same pace to other people I do, I, I, it, you know, my son is now 24 years old, but I remember it like it was yesterday when that little voice says, slow down for me, mommy. It really did radically change my life because I believe that was God's voice coming out of this little child speaking to BJ because I was so on the go. I've gotta go, we gotta go, let's do this. And to slow down, or he was slowing me down. It didn't look the way I wanted it to look. We can't keep up with the Joneses if we're going at this pace. You know that, right? And I can only imagine what that must have felt like to my child, you know? I mean, I can imagine what it would make me feel like today as a grown woman, if someone, if I felt someone was so busy, and they looked at me as, as a problem. So that's what makes me stop and go, maybe it's exactly what I needed to hear at the exact time I needed to hear it. So that's my take, I, I don't know, you, you can tell me, but to slow down enough to be in partnership with, rather than moving at such a pace that I, as a solo, is the only one to make this happen. Ah, another BJ Tangent. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like this week's recap is just kind of a, almost a fireside chat. (laughs) I don't have anything intense and deep to share. I just feel like God has put it on my heart to just share that, that we need to be grateful. Grateful for Him, first and foremost, but also grateful for each other that we are indeed each other's keeper. And we do indeed have the power to help each other stand tall, or at least stand firmly for just another day. Sometimes it comes down to, can I just stand up for one more day? And if I have someone on my side making that possible, the answer is yes. My heart breaks for those who don't have someone who can't say yes, just because there's no one to lean on. Let's be a shoulder, an arm, for someone else to lean on when they need to rest a little bit. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to have to catch your breath. It's okay, and God agrees. That's why he allowed Jesus to slow down for us, because he knew that we could not travel at the speed in which we so desire. Anyway, guys, to wrap it all up, you know, it takes us back to our tagline, be on the lookout for the hand of God. It is in everything that we go through. I cannot stress that enough. Whether it's good times, bad times, grieving times, rejoicing times, God's hand is in it. And when we lose sight of it, and it doesn't have to be bad times that we lose sight of God's hand. I've lost sight of God's hands in the greatest of times. Those times when success is rolling in. Those times when money is great or the rolls are coming and you forget Who's making that possible? And you start to lean on your own strength, your own understanding. So losing sight of God's hand doesn't only occur when there are challenges in our lives. Sometimes I think it's easier to lose sight of God's hand when you're successful. But we have to always be on the lookout for the hand of God. If not, I do believe God will return us to that place in which we lost sight of his hand so we can grab onto it again and pick up that journey where we left off right god i i thank you i thank you that you care that much about us you stoop low to make us great that is the pace of grace thank you god loving me that much, for caring about me that much, for loving us that much, and caring for us that much. The least we can do is grab onto your hand and fight to never let it go. Guys, you are amazing. I pray for an incredible week for you. Until next week, be on the lookout for the incredible hand of God. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Always I say thank you for joining me. It has been a pleasure to hear testimony shared this week, and we will be back next week for another incredible life story. Please check out my website, enoughasyouare.com. You can find all my books and all of my writings there. I appreciate, again, your time. I pray that God will be with you. And until next week, be on the lookout by the hand of God. Go ahead, Dave. Play us out.